This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You know, since the last time we recorded this podcast, there's been a lot of interesting news that's been happening, and we haven't been able to report it as much due to the fact that we were facing technical difficulties here at Stock Market Observation. But we're back online now, and hopefully we are able to stay online for the next couple of days before, I mean, every time it gets the weather pattern changes, internet connections get broken, and then this is the end results of where we're at currently right now. You know, something interesting had happened recently, too, with the markets. They are obsessed with talking about that that uh, cryptocurrency collapse that has happened currently right now, and at the same time, what was really creepy was when there was news reports coming out that Wall Street, uh, not Wall Street, that when missiles from Ukraine or from Russia had hit Poland, the market didn't freak out at all. The market cared more about what the Federal Reserve was doing than potential war in the making, which is interesting to think about because it means Wall Street is not hearing the bigger news pictures on the outside. They're only caring about what's happening at home currently right now, at least of what it looks like. Okay, But some articles we're going to get into today. FDA says lab-grown meat is safe for human consumption. And that's a new news to us, which means companies like Beyond Meat might be in the making of greatness again. There's also a news article saying rent grow, growth slows to its lowest level in 18 months. And what does that mean for the industry for the real estate markets? Then we got some news between Walmart and Target. And then the quarter result, results lay bare that retailer's stark differences. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because it's some interesting news that's happening between Target and Walmart these last couple of days. And then there's news from Starbucks as well. So Starbucks union to strike at more than 100 locations on Red Cup Day one of the chain's busiest days of the year and what that could mean for Starbucks going forward. And the last thing we're going to talk about is Meta. Meta's in the news too today. Meta's reportedly disciplined or fired more than two dozen workers for taking over Facebook user accounts and what this PR situation could mean for Meta going forward. But that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. The purpose of this podcast is to provide information that Wall Street isn't always or willing to be able to talk about. Please go talk to your financial advisor before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. A disclosure in this podcast too, I do have shares in Walmart, Target, and Meta. They are small positions and they are long-term positions. But I do own positions in those companies, and this is not a financial advice podcast. This is just to give information to those who wish to listen. I legally cannot give you any financial advice because I could be wrong about everything about these companies when I express my opinions about them later on. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. FDA says lab-grown meat is safe for human consumption. The Food and Drug Administration for the first time cleared a lab-grown meat product developed by a California startup as safe for human consumption marking a key milestone for cell-cultivated meats to eventually become available in the U.S. supermarkets and restaurants. The FDA cleared Upside Foods, formerly known as the Memphis Meats, to use animal cell culture technology to take living cells from chickens and grow the cells in a controlled environment to produce cultured animal cell food. 
The agency said it evaluated Upside's food pr- production and cultured cell material that has no further questions about the safety of its cultivated chicken client. Uh, correction, cultivated chicken fillet. The company will be able to bring in products to market once it be, uh, <clears throat> once it's been inspected by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Quote, the world is experiencing a food revolution and the U.S. FDA is committed to reporting innovation in the food supply. FDA consumer Robert Klayef Cla- uh, Cla- and Susan Main, director of FDA Center of Food Safety and Applied Nutrition, said in a statement, the global cultivated meat industry, which is baked by more than $2 billion in investment, would play a major role in making food systems more sustainable and mitigation- mitigate climate change by reducing greenhouse gas emissions from animal-based food production. While the FDA safety sign-off only applies to upside products, the agency said it's ready to work with additional firms developing cultured food cell food and production processes. The agency said it engaged in discussions with multiple firms about different types of products made from cultured animal cells, including those made from seafood cells. Ooh, that would be that would be interesting if they could do the seafood side of things as well. Let's finish reading this article before we discuss. This is the watershed moment in history for food. The CEO, founder of Upside Foods, said in a statement, this milestone marks a major step towards a new era in meat production, and I'm thrilled that the U.S. consumers will soon have the chance to eat delicious meat that has grown directly from animal cells. You know, it's going to make things really interesting, okay? Which means, potentially, a company like Beyond Meat, it's going to be, they, they might either have to do two options. A, they might have to form a brand new division, because if you've ever had Beyond Meat food, I mean, I never enjoyed it when I had it. But I also know too that they 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 have a market out there because apparently people like it. But at the same time, Beyond Meat I don't believe makes a lot of money currently right now. They might have to make a new food division at Beyond Meat, which is having to use these cells. I mean, it's fascinating that technology is getting to a point now to where we're using cells to make food in a factory. Now, it's also interesting too, at least in my opinion. I wonder how this is going to affect food prices. Because instead of now, or what becomes cheaper food actually at the long run, is it going to be the cell-grown food from a lab or is it going to be from an actual farm? That's going to be an interesting thought to think about in the future. Now, another thing too is this, okay? When I worked at Target, I worked in the food in the food area of Target. We used to call it the marketing department, even though it had nothing to do with marketing. It was just the food department was known as market, okay? What I found most interesting was when I was, when I was working there during that time, I think it was back in 2018 or 2019 exactly, but there was a shortage for a while of eggs, okay? And one of the reasons being was in California, they had passed a law that said that chickens had to be X amount of distance between each other, okay? And because of the chickens being so close together for so long, and then they had to be separated, it it caused like the chickens to like freak out. And then like the chickens weren't producing eggs. At least that's what I was told by my supervisor. I don't know how true it was at the end, but that's what I was told, okay? What I'm now curious about too is what happens if a meat that's made in a lab from cells, like what if the cell doesn't like split properly? And all honestly, it might cause a backlog of food in the making. And at the same time, it also seems like if you're getting food from a lab, it might take longer to make, which also, like I've said earlier, it's going to be more expensive in the long run potentially. But it's interesting where food is going. And how this new technology is going to change things. Don't be surprised soon if in the future, like if Beyond Meat makes an announcement and they say like, hey, like we're now going to be doing cells, cell meat as well or something like that along the along those lines. 
or maybe that's what Wall Street starts talking about is this company. What was it like Memphis? I think it was Memphis we had talked about here on this. Uh, let's see here. Something with Memphis. Yeah, I, I can't find it. But whatever company can do this, it's going to be the, the leader in this market in the making. And it's going to change the food industry potentially. That'd be also interesting too. Can you think about that in the future? Like you're ordering a steak one day and you're like, I would like a steak. And then they're like, how would, and your person who's like getting your meals, like, how would you like that done? Would you like a cellular one from a lab or would you like one from the farm? That that would be very interesting to think about in the long run. Continuing on, rent growth slows to its lowest level in 18 months. The red hot rental market is finally starting to cool off along with the rest of the housing. Rents are still higher than they are a year ago, but the gains are shrinking as landlords lose pricing power in the face of inflation. Rents in October rose 4.7% compared to October 2021, the slowest annual increase in 18 months, according to retailer.com. The U.S. medium rent was 1734 Quote, our data indicates that we're finally starting to see a bit of relief from the double-digit pace of rent growth that we experienced during the height of the pandemic, said Daniel Hale, uh, Daniel Hale chief economicist at retailer.com. Quote, while it's still a bit early to say that we're officially on the downward trajectory for rent prices, the data shows a promising return towards normal seasonal slowdowns and suggests that the astronomical price gains of the past several years may be behind us. A, server, a survey from Realtor.com found that despite more tentative struggling to afford the rent, the majority of landlords still said they would continue to increase rents over the next year, although by smaller margin than they had recently. Rents are up 23.5% in October of, of 2019 before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. The largest gain in rents were in the two-bedroom units as tenants looked for more space in the new work-from-home economy. Rent growth annually has been slowing for nine straight months and has been the single digit for the past three months, but rents are still growing faster than they were just before the pandemic in March of 2020. Despite the cooler gains, more renters are considering moving due to affordability. Of those surveys by retailer.com who had seen their rents increase by 69.5%, um, correction, that's not seen the rents increase, yeah, by 69.5%, they were considering finding something cheaper up from the 66.2% in July. Survey covered both multiple family and single family rentals. Other reports show that apartment rents are cooling more quicker than single family rents. Single family rent growth has been shrinking for the past five months, but is still on the low double digits, according to CoreLogic. Rents are up 10.2% year over year in September, the most recent month for the data is available, down from nearly 14% in April of this year when interest rates really took off. You know, that's something, you know, the more rent increases, I mean, they're... We've we've read a lot about this last couple months about the housing market in general, and the housing market is either cooling or it's hot. It just depends on the month, right? Depends on when people are wanting to buy and all that stuff, and if people are building, right? We know construction material costs are going up. It's only a matter of time before some of these these houses become more affordable. Which then would that mean there's going to be an influx of people buying homes soon in the making if rent is going up? Or maybe people just still can't afford houses as much as they can. It's going to be hard to tell. But it's just interesting to see how these how rent grows slower. <laughs> grows slow to its lowest month in 18 months. Yeah, it's, it's growing because there's not as much demand for renting probably right now. Maybe people are buying homes currently right now. I don't have proof to prove it. But it is something to think about. But what I do know is this, okay? The more people take on debt... The, the more it's going to affect the housing market in some way, shape, or form. And honestly, okay, 
and, and this is going to tie in what we're about ready to talk about next, but the, people are using their credit cards a little bit more. There was a report about that. Okay. But we'll get into that in a second because we got to talk about this before we get into the credit card side of things. But it says Walmart and Target's quarterly results lay bare the retailer's stark differences. Walmart stock surged this week. Target shares plunged. The rival big box players are known for selling an array of products, including food, clothing, home goods, and kitchen appliances. Both their CEOs, Walmart dog McMillan and Target's Brian Cornell, stepped into the roles in 2014. But the retailers issued stark uh, divergent outlooks this week that underscore their differences, most notably in how much each relies on grocery sales. On Tuesday, Walmart raised its financial outlook for the uh, for the year after some same-store sales in the third quarter rose 8.2% from a year ago, when excluding fuel. A day later, Target slashed its forecast for its holiday quarter after comparable sales rose by 2.7%, with executives noting weakening, weakening trends heading into the season. Here are, the, here are the rundown of four key categories to help explain the split in the earnings results. And we'll cover maybe one or two. Let's see, which ones do we want to talk about? We'll definitely talk about the food side. Oh, and the shopper spending power. Yes, we'll talk about that too. Okay, so let's talk about the food first. Walmart gets a fair bigger share of sales from groceries than Target, which is helping to draw store shoppers looking to save money as inflation squeezes budgets. Groceries amount for 56% of Walmart's annual revenue compared to 20% at Target, according to company filings. Walmart is the country's largest grocery by revenue. Target also sells groceries, but it doesn't have the same breadth of offerings. For example, stores sells eggs, milk, fruits, and vegetables, but do not have full-service bakeries, meat, and seafood counters, or delis where shoppers can get freshly sliced turkey and cheese. More consumers turn to Walmart to fill in their bulk of their grocery list, said Neil Sanders, manager director of retail advertisers from firm Global Data. By contrast, shoppers tend to go to Target more for top-up shopping, grabbing a few items when making a run for another reason, such as picking up diapers. Even as shoppers decide to not buy TV or new outfit, they have had to keep replenishing their food in their fridges, a factor that keeps Walmart sales steadier. Okay, Now, this is where things get interesting. I believe it has to do with the debt side of things. Okay, it says shopper spending power. Both retailers draw shoppers from across incomes, but Target's customers tend to be wealthier. The average household income for Target shoppers is about 79,000 versus Walmart's average household income about 62,000, according to global data. During the pandemic, Target benefited from the middle income consumers who suddenly felt flush with cash from stimulus checks and the money that they weren't spending on dining out, travel or spending kids to summer camps. Though shoppers held Target sales grew drastically during the pandemic. Its annual revenue rose to 36% to $106 billion in 2021, the most recent fuel fiscal year from 2019. Even in the third quarter that disappointed Wall Street, its sales continued to climb 3% to $26.52 billion from a year earlier. The growth is being fueled by investment Target made before the pandemic, such as renovating stores, adding curbside pickup, and turning stores into fulfillment centers for online orders. But now as people go back to traveling, dining out, and Commuting, um, commuting into the office, Target is complete, competing with more spending priorities. It has gotten tougher for the company to keep topping its own growth. Quote, it's it's picked a lot of the low-hanging fruit, Sanders says. Now, even if there wasn't this consumer crunch, it would have been much more difficult to eke out gains. I agree with that, okay? And the only reason being is, like I've said, I've worked at Target, so I understand Target a little bit more, and I'm not going to get into all the details about it. What I can tell you is this, okay? Target... Is, is a more upper class place when you go shopping. And all honestly, okay, when you go to Target, it's more upper class people. They just said it. Your average income at Target's 79,000 and when you're at Walmart, that's 62,000, okay? 
What also makes Target more interesting is it's more of the experience of shopping. Okay, think about it. You walk into a Target and what's the first thing you see? There's a Starbucks and you smell the coffee. The goal is to make your shopping experience fun and exciting the entire time. Now, that being said, okay, what's also, we're not going to be able to cover it as much in this podcast, but consumers are using more debt currently right now to pay for their, their life right now, okay? From the economy side, from CNBC, they're saying right now, household debt soars at its fastest pace in 15 years as credit card use surges, Fed report says, okay? They're not willing to talk about that right now, okay? And we, and we don't have time to talk about it on today's podcast as much, but people are using debt to continue their lifestyles and all honestly, okay? And Target in particular, and that's another thing that gets people to stay at Target is the red cards that they offer there, okay? I, th- I believe Target's red cards are like a credit card system, if I remember correctly. I didn't really pay attention to that much on that end when I was working there because I didn't work the cashier as much. But I do know that with Target though, like at least in recession times, like I said, I've worked there. So I understand this concept a little bit. Walmart makes most of their money from groceries. We've read that. Okay. Walmart will survive if we are going into a downturn and this is not financial advice. And I'm not going to give you financial advice because I can't legally do that, but Walmart will survive because a lot of their money comes from groceries. Okay. Target about 20% comes from groceries. Okay. At the end of the day, 56% Walmart groceries, 20% Target. Who, what, what are people going to choose when there's a recession in the making? food and all honestly. Okay. Walmart will continue to do well right now in these terrible conditions in the market. Expect target to get hit for a while. And all honestly, maybe they won't get hit as hard when the holiday season shopping happens. Cause that's usually like target's biggest time of the year, but we'll find out as time continues. Continuing on from CNBC, Starbucks union to strike at more than a hundred locations on red cup day. One of the chain's busiest days of the year. Workers at more than 100 unionized Starbucks locations plan to strike on Thursday, one of the chain's biggest sales days of the year. To celebrate the holiday season, Starbucks every year gives away reusable red cups bearing the company's logo. With any purchase, the giveaway of, on the coffee chain's red cup day has become a must for collectors, and this year's event marks the 25th anniversary. On Thursday, organizers at 113 locations are planning to protest and dis- disrupt a version of the red cup featuring the Grinch hand holding an ornament with the logo of the Starbucks union. The actions are expected to affect store operations for at least part of the day. Its largest collective action Starbucks workers United has taken so far its organized push over the past year. The union said the strike is meant to call attention to the company's alleged union busting and refusal to negotiate contracts fairly. Starbucks has denied the allegations of unfair labor practices. Over the past 12 months, roughly 260 company owned Starbucks locations have voted to unionize under workers United and affiliate of service employees in this international union that a small fraction of the chain's nearly 9,000 company-operated locations in the U.S. But the union push has made a splash and inspired similar actions by workers at Trader Joe's and Chipotle Mexican Grill. The number of new cafes that filled the union elections has slowed in recent months, but in contract agreement were to occur, it could give the movement a boost. In late September, Starbucks sent a letter to more than 200 locations saying that it was ready to start contract negotiations, but Starbucks Workers United contended the company hasn't been bargaining in good faith. Talks between the two sides broke down quickly due to disagreement over whether union members can join the talks via Zoom. Representatives from Starbucks have walked out of the meeting minutes after they began, insisting on only face-to-face negotiations citing federal regulations. You know, in all honesty, 
I do think there will be a rise and, and we might not see it just yet, but I honestly believe these bigger companies are going to have a lot of union issues going forward. I do. And one of the reasons I see it happening is I honestly believe that people are going to want to make more money soon. And honestly, okay. Especially when you have politicians who are going out and about saying like, Oh, this company, like for instance, we even just saw with Exxon Mobil recently where Exxon Mobil made it close to like $20 billion in profit and Apple who made $20 billion in profit. And there's not a peep about it from politicians. Now, granted, some politicians are going for campaigns and they're trying to win and all that stuff. And I get that. But it seems like this will be a trend in the making. What I'm going to find more interesting, okay, is what these companies are going to do. And all honestly, there's going to probably be a lot of robotic services soon in the making. Okay. Think about this way. You go into your local McDonald's right now. Okay. I did this recently when I went into McDonald's, I walked in and granted I was trying to get somewhere and I looked and I saw how there was maybe like a line of like one or two people. And I lost a lot of patience and I'm not a very impatient person, but at that moment I was, and I looked and I saw a kiosk and I was like, screw it. I'm just going to put my order in a kiosk and be done. Right. Okay. That's a machine right there taking my order. I'm the one who has to do that order instead of telling a person at a cashier, okay? I wonder what Starbucks is going to do. I think Starbucks is eventually going to do that as well. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they already have like apps if I'm not mistaken. Not 100% sure. I'm not, I don't drink a lot of coffee, so. But how much longer until you start seeing kiosks in Starbucks? How much longer until you start seeing a robot make your coffee? In all honesty, I mean, there's already robots right now that are making fries and they're making onion rings and they're flipping burgers, okay? How much longer until you see a machine making coffee? In all honesty, it would make the work more efficient. You'd be able to get your coffee faster and there wouldn't be as many errors in the process maybe. But this is where things are going potentially. The more these people try to unionize, the more these companies are gonna start using robotics to replace people. In all honesty, I can see that happening. Because, I mean, we've seen what unions can do. The unions were fighting fighting recently with trying to make sure that the rail companies were going to potentially go on strike. And even the ports in, in California in particular. So I think a lot of retail stores that have restaurants, businesses, you might see a lot of, there's going to be a union rising. And then I see a lot of these companies start using more robotics in the future can see it happening. So we'll find out with time. Last thing we got to talk about meta reportedly disciplined or fired more than two dozen workers for taking over Facebook user accounts. Meta platforms reported fired or disciplined more than two dozen employees from contractors who alleged compromised and took over Facebook user accounts. The wall street journal reported Thursday bribery was involved in some cases. The journal reported citing sources and documents. The report said users who were locked out of their Facebook accounts weren't often weren't able to regain it access through traditional means, such as reaching out to Facebook directly. So some used resorted to seeking outside sources who have contacts within Meta who were willing to unlock accounts for them. In some cases, according to the documents viewed by the journal workers, accepted thousands of dollars in bribes from hackers to compromise or access users' accounts. The termination or discipline came about as a result of inter in internal investigation, according to the journal. Individuals selling fraudulent services are always targeting online platforms, including ours, and adapting their tactics in response to the detection methods that are commonly used across the industry, Meta Communications Director Andy Stone told CNBC. 
According to the report, some of the fired workers were employed at Allied Universal Contractors, providing security for Meta facilities, who were given access to international employee tools to assist company employees. The tools the journal reported were referred to OOPS, a shorthanded for online operations, who were originally intended for in internal and special case uses. The systems allowed employees to restore any individual user's access to their rightful amount, according to the report. Quote, people should never buy or sell accounts or pay for an account recovery services because doing so violates our terms, Stone said. Quote, we also regularly regularly update our security measures to address this kind of activity and will be taking appropriate action against those involved in these kinds. Allied Universal did not immediately respond to a request for comments. There's might might be a PR campaign in the making for Facebook, but maybe, I'm not Facebook for Meta, but maybe Meta has already been beaten down too much because Wall Street's too worried about the metaverse that this won't affect Meta in the long run. And all honestly, this is probably news that's going to come and go quickly, but it's also just disturbing that this is happening at Meta. I believe Twitter had a recent situation as well uh, for taking over people's Twitter's accounts. I mean, we're already seeing Elon Musk twit, uh, Elon Musk purge the Twitter bots that that are happening at Twitter. Now you got Meta that's having issues with them taking over people's Facebook or Meta accounts or Facebook accounts, whatever you want to call it at this point. You know, Meta... I mean, th this this PR nightmare for Meta is just going to continue, okay? Now, granted, there's only 12 people, but we did recently read how Meta was going to lay off about 11,000 people. Maybe now it's going to be 11,012 people because of these, because of this. Or maybe it's just people just going to be added to the list of the 11,000, okay? It's sad. Individual selling fraudulent services are ways targeting online platforms. Be careful out there, people. You don't know what's happening out there at all times. But... Meta's pretty good at making sure that this doesn't happen across the board. But we thought we would report on it because, you know, it's Meta. And there's just more news happening over and over again with Meta. Some of it good, some of it bad. But for the most part, Meta's kind of in the gutter right now. But continue to pay attention to Meta because if Mark Zuckerberg can turn the ship around and be able to prove it, I mean, in all honestly, I mean, we read a report recently that Meta was going to be able to become a dominant player in the Asia markets. I don't think Wall Street understands that completely still yet at least when it comes to the metaverse. But in time, Meta might turn things around and they might become profitable again. And if all these issues become a thing in the past for Facebook or Meta, I guess at this point. it's I'm sorry, guys. To me, Meta will always be considered Facebook, not Meta, because that's how it started. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast. So we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't willing or being able to talk about at the time. Please continue to continue sharing with friends or family as our podcast continues to grow. And I thank for I thank you for those who have keep sharing our podcast with friends or family as you've helped grow this podcast a little bit more at a time. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.